You are listening to the Gay Florida Man podcast. This podcast is hosted by retired corrections officer, Mark DeWolf, who will discuss various topics prevalent to corrections, gay culture, arts and entertainment, as well as current events. Listeners need to be advised that this podcast will discuss situations involving extreme violence, substance abuse, sexual assault, and murder. Details of actual events have been modified so as to protect the privacy of involved parties. Well, welcome to the Gay Florida Man. This podcast is broadcasting from the insane fucking state of Florida. Today, I've got a really good close friend, former co-worker with me, who also happens to be gay. This is Officer Barbie. Well, thanks. I'm so happy to be here. And thanks for outing me. It was great. I appreciate it. Fuck. Sorry. Nobody would know looking at me that I was gay. (laughs) (laughs) And if you knew what Barbie looked like, you'd understand that joke perfectly. Barbie is a little more of a uh, masculine. Is that, is that okay to say? Is that a... butch masculine? Okay. Yeah. Well, butch seems derogatory and contrary to popular opinion, gay men and gay women do get along. We don't hate each other. We're not like cats and dogs. I love Barbie. We used to work together at the Utah state prison and it's kind of ironic that uh, we are both gay and we've had multiple discussions about the fact that gay culture inside of law enforcement, a lot of times is much more accepted as a as a female. A lesbian seemed to be accepted as one of the guys. And But for a gay man to actually work in that environment, it's threatening to a lot of super masculine guys. You know, like, wait, wait a minute, this guy needs to be a florist, a beautician, a hairstylist, whatever. He shouldn't be wearing a badge. That uh, seems to be lightening up a little bit. But the weird thing is, is that we met inside Utah, of course, which is the home of Mormon, the Mormon church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, who happened to spearhead the fight against gay marriage in California. And if you've ever seen Eight the Mormon Proposition, you understand exactly where I'm coming from. And it was uh, it was a very weird thing that Barbie and I ended up there working for state government. (laughs) And witnessed it firsthand. Well, you're not even from Utah, right? No, no, no. Um, Actually, so just uh, to get this out of the way, gay Florida man, just because Florida man has such a, a connotation of insanity and craziness, uh, Florida seems to produce so much weird bullshit. And so it seemed ever so appropriate that gay Florida man be the title of this podcast as we're going to talk about gay culture, law enforcement, arts and entertainment, and current events, whatever ends up coming across our screen. Today's, uh, we're going to talk about the the Mormons being inside Utah and working in a state prison. Now, how did I end up in Utah? Um, it's kind of weird anyway. So back in 1988, I met two good friends that were visiting, actually working in Virginia, and they were nannies. And I had met them through a neighbor, a mutual friend, and I had no idea what Utah was all about. I, I had, <laughs> I, I didn't know what Mormons, the Church of Jesus Christ, the I just some other religion. I was raised Catholic. But right. um, through these friends, I kind of uh, started to get curious about Utah and uh, actually visited in 1993. And I got to tell you, Barbie, it was like, it was like going back in time. I bet. It's just, it's, uh, 
Utah was very picturesque. You step off the plane and it's like a painting, those mountains in that Utah uh, Salt Lake Valley. Just an absolutely beautiful place. People there were so friendly. And growing up right outside of D.C., it, uh, it was really nice to go there. And, and it just was a different feeling. And so I slower ended up pace. a much slower pace. It was so nice. And so I ended up in... Uh, 1996, I got hired by a police department there that I'd gone through the whole process and moved out there. It was a very small uh, department that was north of, of Salt Lake City. And it was 57 guys. Most of them, I think, were Mormon or uh, raised Mormon, Jack Mormon. For, for people who don't know the term, it's for people that step away from the church. They're, they're no longer active. They're Jack Mormons. But um, that, was, uh, that was a short-lived marriage. Honeymoon was over pretty quick. I didn't fit in well there. And a, another friend of mine that worked for another department who also worked full-time for the state prison said, you really ought to go and work at the state prison because you will get away from the small town politics that you're having to deal with with this other job. And so I was like, oh my God, working in a prison, are you fucking kidding me? So I, I ended up going to work at the prison, started the academy in 97, June of 97. Wow. And yeah, fast forward 20 years later, I retired and moved to uh, uh, another place that's completely fucking insane, Florida. And I look back and it was, uh, there was a lot of doors opened up. There was a lot of opportunities I probably would have never had growing up in Virginia. And it, uh, it's been a very charmed life, amazing, a lot of opportunity. And I really appreciate it. But I got to tell you that Utah and Barbie, you know this as well. Utah is like the Bermuda Triangle. And as we talk about Utah and the things that have happened there, the stories that have come out of there, it, it's really crazy. The only way to explain it is the Bermuda Triangle. But on with the podcast. Today, we're talking about working in such a conservative state, being gay, and then working in a prison on top of it. <laughs> it was just an interesting time. Barbie, tell us about you. You, you grew up in Utah. You right. are more familiar with the culture than I ever was. What was it like being gay in that time period in Utah? Um, it's, it was pretty difficult because my mom, she was a single mother. And, um, at that time, you know, it was, you were kind of shunned. And I think you probably still are almost, uh, if you're single, but being a single mother, she wasn't able to go to church and to do all those things because she had to work to support her kids. She had two kids. So, um, you know, I remember being young and having like the bishop come over or, or the visiting teachers coming over and they would they would talk to my mom and they would encourage her, you know, you really need to come to church. And she's like, but I need to put food on the table because, you know, I wasn't getting any child support or anything like that. So it was all on my mom. I remember the first time having a really bad experience with the uh, Mormon church was seeing my mom ask the church for some help because she wasn't able to come up with uh, the full amount of rent or something. Because the church would come over and they would always say, you know, is there anything we can do to help you? And it took everything that my mom could do to ask for help. And then the minute that she did, they were told her the only way that, you know, we'll be able to do this is if you start going to church on Sundays. 
And my mom was in tears and she's like, I'm doing the best that I can. I flipped the fuck out. I was young and I flipped out because to see my mom beg for help like that from somebody, a church that's saying, hey, we're going to help you. I flipped out and I told him to get out of the house and I got like very aggressive and kicked him out and told my mom, you'll never do that again. Wow. The, um, so how, okay. We both worked together at the prison for years. And so fast forward to the point where like, how, how did you end up going to work at a prison? I mean, nobody like when you're a kid, it's like, what do you want to do when you grow up? It's like no kid says, I want to work at a fucking prison. No, I mean, how, how did you end up applying for that job? I don't know about you, but I watched Con Air and I was like hooked. That's what I wanted to do with my life. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I'm like, really? That's <laughs> no. not the story you've told me in the past about forensics. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a horrible show. Um, I've always, like, I was interested in forensics, and I needed to figure out how to, you know, come up with the money. I didn't always want the student loans. And the prison was actually advertising that they had a tuition reimbursement basically so i kind of just thought oh yeah i'll just go there i'll just work for two years and i'll be out pay for school and then go do forensics that's smart yeah it's really smart seven years later i'm stuck in the fucking belly of hell and (laughs) unable to get out so yeah there was no two years in that (laughs) so okay so you're you're in the prison you're there for seven years in that time period um you know, you, you walk in and I think anybody that's, that knows anything about prison, you know, that you're, you got your guard up about, you know, inmates cause they're going to oh, test yeah. you. They're going to, they're going to find an angle. They're going to do their bullshit games. Absolutely. But now did you ever, did you ever have any problems with the inmates in regards to your sexual orientation? You're gay, you're out and working in a prison. Did you ever have any problems with the inmates? Let's start there. Oh, absolutely. So for one, being a female, you're automatically a target. Because you're weaker. You're the weaker sex, especially when you're working in a male-dominant area. So, uh, you know, it's not like I worked in the female housing units. I worked with the men. And so being female, it was, you know, they tried to intimidate you and yell at you or, uh, you know, kind of size you up, puff up their chests, whatever. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, being a lesbian, of course, it's always, they always would use those cheap shots like, fucking dyke and you know muff diver and you know all this and oh you're just gonna go eat some pussy well of course i'm gonna come back and say something one of the biggest things for working in a prison especially being a female is you can't show that weakness right and so even though i know that this guy probably can throttle me i'm gonna show him that i'm not afraid of him Right, so right. I'll pop off and be like, you know, say something about his mother. Like, yeah, well, hey, you know, your mother told me to say hello. Or, you know, <laughs> there's always, you know, there was always, well, and I would say it in front of a section full of other men so that, you know, maybe he would get the idea that he shouldn't pop off and say stuff because now he's looking like a fool. Right. And so, you know, I'd get that, oh, you know, I'll you're going to go eat some pussy tonight. And I'll be like, yeah, I'm on your way to your girlfriend's house. You know? <laughs> and, and after a while you would, I would get that banter going. I would get some respect. 
because I wasn't afraid and I wasn't intimidated by it. So, okay. So the, so the inmates are going to do what they do and that's, Mm -hmm. they're going to test you. And, but then, you know, once you're established and they realize that you've established boundaries and you know, you're not going to take their bullshit. Then we go to the staff and a lot of the staff that work at the prison are Mormon. They've grown up in that culture. And that's where a lot of my issues, not, not so much with the inmates. I mean, once you establish boundaries with the inmates and they know that, you know, you're not to be tested. That's not a problem. But when you start to get into the, the difficulties of working with staff, and then a lot of them are Mormon, a lot of them have brought in their Book of Mormon, they read it, you know, during the shift, et cetera. Yep. And they talk about the temple and the garments and all that stuff. So what was your interactions? Were you more accepted then by, by staff? I mean, were you cool with staff? Or did you ever have any issues or problems with the officers, the other officers that clearly were Mormon and and not very keen on the gay thing. It's, you know, it was kind of hit and miss. It was uh, going in and working as a a lesbian in a male-dominated, you know, agency. You would have some of the guys that were, like, totally accepting. And I don't know if they were, you know, really religious or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But they, because I was there and... I wasn't weak. They were accepting. We'd joke around all the time, you know, about dating. And of course, you're going to do the same banter as you would with the inmates and stuff. You know, I'd be like, yeah, well, I just saw your wife. Hey, you know, can you call her back and see if I left my wallet under the bed or something (laughs) like that? And it got to the point to where I had such a good rapport with some of them that they would actually ask my advice on really uh yeah on you know their wife um it's always <laughs> came back to sex you know well how could i please my wife or you know is there any tips that you have and uh, you know and when you have a good rapport with them you're gonna like share and it got like intimate and i would be like well yeah this is you know you're totally doing it wrong you need to go here and do this or, you know. <laughs> and so, so they, you were you were like the Dr. Ruth of the uh, the prison staff at uh, the Utah State Prison helping guys out satisfy their wife. Pretty much. It's like I was like a secret weapon that they had in their back pocket, so it was great. But I did have some run-ins with a lot of, um, you know, Mormons because I was gay. So we had that conversation with uh, an individual at one time where he told me that, don't you think it's just a choice? And it's not. I mean, being gay, as you know, it's not easy. You it's, know, uh, it's hard. One of the uh, one of the multiple issues I had. Well, I'm, a, again, I can't reiterate more that it's like you know, yeah, I would have random issues with with inmates, but I've been told I'm t- I don't come across as a feminine acting male, so it was rare to get labeled as gay, queer, whatever. But I I did. I mean, I was pretty open. Once I came out, uh, 2002, once I came out and word spread, uh, throughout the prison, I'm sure pretty quick, you know, cause everybody just talks about everybody else's, uh, life. But the one particular staff that worked in a control point, 
and he was pretty LDS, I I think, but he definitely was very outspoken and opinionated, strong personality. Uh, he's not with us anymore. He did uh, end up passing away. He, I think he got like a year of retirement, uh, the, the corrections curse, for those who don't know, because of the high stress of law enforcement and corrections, people typically retire and don't live very long. And so this is one of those individuals. But when, when I had my interaction with him, I know that we were in this control point and he had brought up the fact that being gay is a choice. And I tried to go to the least common denominator sex, which is what guys think about, um, and talk to him about the fact that if it is a choice, then you're telling me that you could leave your wife tonight and tomorrow have anal sex with another man. I mean, you're, you're telling me. And, and I know for, for myself, being a gay male, the idea of going down on a woman and uh, eating her <laughs> taco uh, just grosses me out. I'm not attracted to it at all in the slightest. And I've been with a woman before, and it was really hard to keep an erection, Barbie. I, I, could not, I couldn't perform, and it was just very degrading. And I'm thinking, like, what is she thinking? Like, what's wrong with this guy? Why can't he do this? Like every guy loves pussy. What's his problem? So, um, so I tried to talk with him and, 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 you know, put it down to a, a level where it's like, you got to understand if you're saying that it's a choice, then you could realistically tonight have sex with a man and be aroused. And normally when you throw that in somebody's face, they say, Oh my God, no, 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 no. But he still is going to resort back to his church's teachings, which is it's a choice and that you can be cured of this. And sadly, even after I did this big, long explanation, we had very good, honest, open discussion. He said, well, it's, it's still a choice. So you should have unzipped your pants and said, this is my taster's choice right now. Okay. So, well, if, no. if it's a choice, then <laughs> choose to suck this big cock, man. But, I, I, don't, I don't know if I would have gotten a blow job or been sitting in HR a short time later. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, well, he's, he's the one who said it was a choice, not me. I thought that he was coming on to me and I wanted to keep him happy. So, but. Is it difficult? Was it difficult for you at all, like as far as promotions or anything like that? I mean, did you have issues with that being gay? Are you really asking me this? I mean, I, they already, I walk into the interview that now I can suck a mean cock. So <laughs> He's apparently, apparently, apparently I'm not that good Barbie because I only made it to Sergeant. No, yeah, that's, that is <laughs> true. I did hear about that. It was sick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I draw the line at toss in the salad. It's like, man, you, you at least got to buy me a drink. Yeah, they're too cheap for that. <laughs> right, right. A drink, like a like a mixed beverage? Oh, that's against God's word. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'll give you a Sprite. Like That's about all you get. <laughs> right, no caffeine. Nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. That's nope. bad. Yeah. So it's, as I, as I look back, and I'm <laughs> and I'm sure you can agree, it's, it's been a roller coaster. Uh, Barbie and I, neither one of us are in Utah anymore. Thank we God. were able to escape the Zion Curtain. And like I said, if you go and you visit, it's a wonderful place to live there and to peel back the curtain of the great and powerful Oz and, and realize how the place works and the influence that the church has on laws and, and many of the people that kind of uh, 
run that place, it's it's difficult when you're an outsider. And and being gay, it was it was challenging. I don't know how you lived there as a as a kid in, in that culture. And then I don't know. Kudos to you, Barbie, that you're able to come out as yeah. young as you were at that time period. Yeah, it was, you know, in Utah, it was completely a different world back, you know, back then. I mean, I was 21. I'm like 48 now. So it was it was a different culture. I don't know. I kind of feel like and I don't know if people know this or not, but Utah does have a pretty large gay culture right now. Uh, well, that's, you know, a lot of people that that are still friends back there that are in that culture and uh, there's there's clearly some laws and some struggles and the church influence, and they're like, oh, Utah's becoming so uh, progressive, and they're really uh, they're making so many advances with the the gay community here. It's like, but you know, we have a limited time here on Earth, and it's like just to stay in that atmosphere, it's so suppressive in so many regards, and. Um, I, I mean, God bless them that they're there fighting the fight. They're stronger than me because I left. Yeah, it, you know, same here. I had to, I had to leave just because, you know, I wanted to be an adult. I like the fact that I can go and have a cocktail at nine o'clock in the morning if I want, and not have to wait until what is it? Uh, is it eleven? Eleven thirty to have a drink? I can't remember. Oh no, the state-run liquor stores. I think that. Oh yeah, my they open. God. They open at 11, I think. Well, but, that's uh, another thing is the state-ran liquor stores, yeah, yeah. you know? Well, you know, and that's how Virginia was growing up. And I remember uh, my father driving into D.C. to go do a liquor run just because, you know, the, the restrictions on the state-run liquor stores. So, I, you know, I tell you, it's, we've come a long way as far as a gay community. And you look at like kids now that are like 14, 15 coming out of the closet, there's gay clubs and schools and they're a lot more accepted and they're, they're having an easier time than you and I did and, and the, the battles that we had to, to face. And I, I look back and I see, <laughs> I got to tell you this other story that I, I don't tell a lot of people and I, I'm going to tell it on this first initial broadcast of this oh. podcast. And so... Maybe I did tell you, I don't know, because we were, uh, Barbie and I were roommates for a while. So what happened was, is, you know, of course, the internet was a new thing. I mean, that's how old we are, Barbie. It's like the internet. That's sad. That's really sad. So when you're gay and you're in the closet and you have all these pent up sexual feelings and you can't be honest and you can't be yourself, you, you start to do, you know, sneaky things, deceptive things. And of course, the internet, which was just right from the very beginning, like such easy access to pornography and you know you're in utah and you you can't have pornography you have to go like out of state they can't even ship it to you oh, and you're in the right. closet and so you know i was working in the ochres at the time i was working graveyard shift and and one night i had gone up into the office and i was on the internet and nobody was around and so no, I did not. Uh, so I pulled up. I pulled up pornographic images from Bellamy, the the uh, Eastern European models, and I, you know, I pull up this image of this guy, and he's got like a three foot dick, and he's just absolutely oh. chiseled and gorgeous, and blonde hair, just beautiful as hell. And you know, nobody's around, and so Barbie, I print out this picture, 
but you know, the printer's not working and I'm frustrated. And so I, I figured out how to, to put it to another printer and then, um, you know, I printed it out and then I brought it home and then I had jack off material, you know, Oh stimulation. yeah. Stimulation. So the next day I Did get, you a, jerk I get off there though. Uh, no, I did not. I did not jerk off. Lies. That was, Lies. That was, I doubt that. I bet you did. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, no, that, there was nothing, <laughs> nothing stimulating. I didn't go that far. So the next day I get a call from my lieutenant. Oh, shit. And he says to me, he goes, hey, uh, we need you to come in for a meeting. And like, you do? What's it oh, about? Well, God. we'll, we'll discuss it when you get here. And now I lived an hour away from the prison. It's two hours drive time every time I go there. So I, I'm like, well, can you, can you give me like some type of idea of what this is about? He's like, well, it's about appropriate use of the internet. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck, man. I fucked up bad. I, I get dressed and I, and I go into work and I, and I sit down with this lieutenant, this captain, and they got this stack of fucking papers. And they're like, uh, so... Uh, Let's talk about uh, the internet. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, do you understand the policy on what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, blah, blah, blah. And he goes over this whole big long thing. And, and they, they say, look, you know, we think, uh, you know, we've got a problem. And this is why, is we have a reason to believe that you are looking at inappropriate images on the internet. And they lean over and they're looking at me and I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. <laughs> and Barbie, they had no idea how to respond because they assumed I was going to lie. And when I said, yeah, look, I've been looking at images I know I shouldn't have been looking at. And they were floored. They're like, fuck, this guy's not going to lie. Did and they, they have did... the paper? Huh? Did they have the paper with the, them? The papers that they had were all the websites that I've searched, like everything. They went uh, back to my history. And then they said, well, look, uh, we went back to your academy files and you signed an agreement that you wouldn't look at the internet. We cannot find your agreement. So this is your only warning to not go on those websites again. So here's the best part of the whole story is that when I printed it and it didn't print, it actually did print to somebody else's printer. And it printed to this Mormon secretary who has a picture of the Mormon temple framed on her desk. <gasps> and then it probably destroyed her marriage because she looked at that picture and she realized that those, that cocks actually come in adult sizes. Oh my God. Probably wrecked her marriage. But, uh, you know, she well, looked at, that? oh my God, she probably fucking squirted like a grapefruit juice. Probably. She took it home and probably was like, hey baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's like, hey, can I... Can I hold this and look at this while you're fucking me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that was, unfortunately, it's like, as you look at how we've advanced, you know, you will have less of those sort of, uh, sneaky, uh, actions when people are out and they're able to be themselves. And it's like, who cares whether you like a man or a woman? I mean, why does it matter? Right. Wow. What's up? Uh, so that was the, uh, that was like one of my early, and the, the thing is, is they, they could have fired me. I was still on probation, I think at that time, but they liked me and I was honest and they're like, Oh my God, this guy's not going to lie. And so, yeah. But, that uh, means a lot though, to have somebody that actually, you know, owns the shit instead of like, no, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know no, what I, you're talking about. No, I fucked up. 
I don't. I'm not looking at cocks. What are you talking about? And and they didn't care. It's like they they really. I mean, the, those two people, those two supervisors, were two of the best supervisors I've ever had working there. And and I know that the the captain was very staunch Mormon, but uh, just a just a wonderful guy. So that. that's that's awesome. Did you ever have any issues with like? Uh, you know, we talk about staff and stuff, but I mean, eventually it got out that you were gay and even the inmates knew it, right? Um, you know, there was definitely some conversation and uh, a couple of times uh, inmates alluded to the fact that uh, that I was gay. They never, th- I, I don't think I was ever asked directly by an inmate, like, are you know, are you gay or do you like guys? I mean, nothing like that. I think that that, they even had the awareness is that that would be really rude. See, so, they're going to ask the lesbian and make comments, but, you know, the big, tall, ginormous officer, they're going to like, no, better not. He might stomp on her throat or something. I don't know. I, I don't think I was ever perceived as like, I hope I was never perceived as a total dick unless, you know, you had problems and, you know, you just hate authority and then. You know, it's just the fact that I'm wearing a badge, which I definitely ran into those types. But as far as like the gay issue, I, I mean, I, I hope that in my 20 years, I was, you know, pretty uh, compassionate and understanding with with people that weren't like total dicks right out the door. You know, well, I, working I mean, with you, I knew that you were you had a lot of respect from from the inmates just for the fact that you treated them as, you know, human beings and would right. actually listen to them and. And whatever. I mean, you're in jail, you're in prison, you know, whether you're deputy officer or whatever you want to call it, and an inmate, it's like, it's business. Everything that you're doing there, it's business. Oh, yeah. you're acting like yeah. a dipshit and I'm going to have to, you know, correct that behavior. It's nothing personal. It's just business. And But you always carried yourself that way to where I think people, inmates were able to respect you and talk to you when needed. But also... right. With, like terrified because you're fucking like a skyscraper and just big and you're always so happy go lucky but the minute that you would like hit that thing to where you would snap and go into badass mode it terrified them well yeah and and i i mean nobody i would hope would like to go into that mode where it's like the shit's about to hit the fan if you don't man up and uh handle it if things could get really bad and people could get hurt and so i mean i always i always treated that 20 years as a source of income and of course insurance and benefits and my plan was always to do the minimum 20 and get out and and i know guys their whole life is that place and i mean you know it's uh you know have a life outside and, and 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 that's one of the reasons that so many people in in corrections, they end up, they going into that field and then they, they get so wrapped up in it, like the badges and the pins and the, the uniform. It's like, take off the bat cape when you walk out the door and focus on your wife, your husband, your kids, and, you know, have some hobbies and don't make it your life. Because once you retire and you don't have that adrenaline rush of somebody hanging or somebody beating the shit out of their roommate, what have you, then you can really play with your head. I mean, I know that like my next job after I retired was as a security guard. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And so all of a sudden it's like, 
1 a.m. and I'm looking at a license plate on a truck trying to stay awake. And I'm like, God. I just walked away from like a, a career where I was like respected and, and I, I knew the job. And now here I am at one o'clock in the morning in central Florida looking at a fucking license plate on a truck. And this truck driver doesn't want to stop and he's irritated and fuck, it's crazy. At least you don't have to, you know, use company property to look at porn. You can just pull out your phone. No, that's, you know, that's, uh, I, I will say technology has really helped because, you know, as we've been talking, I've been searching porn. I've got about 15 screens open with all various sizes of cocks, Excellent. skin colors, uh, ages. It's amazing. It's your technology has really come a far, long way, long way. Uh, did you hear that? I just threw up in my mouth. It was gross. What? So, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, swallow, swallow. Try swallowing. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> well, look, Barbie, It's as fast as that was, we're almost out of time here. I want to keep these podcasts short because I know a lot of times people have a tendency to ramble. I don't want to be one of those people. Um, thank you so much for your friendship and uh, for our time together at the prison I look forward to the next time you join me on Gay Florida Man so we can talk about some of our other experiences working at the prison. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, Mark. I love your face. <laughs> and I love your face. <laughs> All right. Thanks. We'll, we'll talk to you next time. You have been listening to the Gay Florida Man. Uh, I look forward to your comments, and I hope you find us on social media. Everybody have a wonderful day, night, uh, middle of the afternoon, wherever you're listening, what time you're listening. I hope you've enjoyed our broadcast. <laughs>